Catch us on the web at english.rti.org.tw. Thank you so much for joining us here today at Radio Taiwan International. I'm Andrew Ryan coming to you from Taipei, Taiwan. Up ahead this hour, we'll have for you Lights Camera Asia. In today's program, Jake Chen will be talking about a Hong Kong gangster flick called Infernal Affairs. Also in the spotlight, Shirley Lin will be interviewing a consultant with a popular local restaurant called Xinye. About, uh, they'll be talking about their popular around the island set meal. I'm guessing that she uh, got to taste a lot of different foods from around Taiwan. That'll be very interesting. Uh, two programs for you to listen to you coming up ahead on RTI. But first up today, here in Taiwan. Today is Thursday, December 26th, and you're listening to Here in Taiwan on Radio Taiwan International. In the studio today, we have Shirley Lin. Hello. Jake Chen. Hello. And I am Andrew Ryan. In today's program, we're going to be talking about uh, some top goals for professionals in the year 2020. Uh, also, do you think it's been hot outside? Well, turns out that this might be one of the hottest years in recent memory. You might be surprised to learn how long it's been since we've had a hotter year. Uh, and also, we're going to tell you why you should not drink too much coffee in the winter. Those are just some of the stories we'll have for you in today's Here in Taiwan. Don't go away. It's hot outside. <laughs> so we've had a really mild winter so far. Um, and uh, in fact, on Christmas Day, I was wearing short sleeve t-shirt outside in Taipei, which I think is a little warm. Yeah. So we're going to be telling you all about uh, why this whole year has been one of the hottest in memory. Um, well, certainly for my memory. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us what they're saying, Shirley? Okay. They're saying that... Uh 2019 is probably going to be the hottest uh, you know, year with uh, an average of 24.55 degrees Celsius. And the average is calculated through December 23rd, but that doesn't matter because not much is going to be expected to change before the year ends. Okay? That's right. It's been right around 20, 25 degrees Celsius, which is like During in the, the day. 70s yeah. Fahrenheit. Mm -hmm. um, but you're saying it's going to be the hottest uh, in 72 years. 72 years. Yes. Uh, yeah. So none of us remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And that is since, uh, you know, when we first recorded climate records uh, in 1947. Basically, they took the average from calculating uh, daily averages recorded at 13 weather observation stations throughout the island. Of course, it's all because of global warming mm -hmm. and that uh, the cold fronts are at the beginning of 2019 were both weaker and shorter on average. So that really made um, 2019 uh, you know, the hottest year uh, so far. It is said the second hottest. I'm guessing that the, the most hot year mm. was, I think it was 1998, if I'm not wrong about that. But um, 
Yeah. Oh, I see. Second hottest. So this is the hottest in 72 years. And that's 72 the, years. That's the 72 years since they started uh, tracking data. Tracking. Yeah. Okay. And most of the 10 warmest years, just to give you extra stats, um, most of the 10 warmest years were after the year 2000. Mm. So that's uh, when global warming became more prevalent, I guess. Yeah, and so people who are climate change deniers, all you have to do is look at the statistics for the temperatures, and you can see that there have been differences over the last several decades. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Remarkable differences, in fact. So um, apparently our Central Weather Bureau's Deputy Director, Zhen Mingdian, he uh, expressed concern over climate change on his Facebook page, stressing that Taiwan is gradually losing its winter season mm, and you know what's Eey, that's what, shocking what's going to happen without a winter season here in taiwan do you guys have any ideas i'm sure it affects our crop for sure yeah yeah well, you know the taiwan is starting to grow a lot of crops that are more mm. native to southeast asia uh -huh. um so things like jackfruit which you know people don't really grow to. in taiwan and yeah uh, they're starting to experiment with those crops because they've found you know good ground and good climate for it here yeah. in taiwan I think everything seems to be ripening or, you know, blooming later than before. Hmm. Hmm. Almost everything. I mean, but, so yeah. like later into the year. So later even, into the year. Like summer crops are lasting into like the autumn. I know yeah. mango season is much longer than it used to be. Oh, longer? Um, you okay. can get mangoes from as early as like maybe even late April, early May, all the way into October, November. Really? Which is, yeah, you see the, the kaita mango, the, the, I don't know, cape mangoes. <laughs> They're available pretty late in the year. I'd never seen that before. Oh, wow. And you know. I didn't eat that much mango this year. <laughs> right. I, if only I'd known. Okay. <laughs> well, don't worry. Mango season is probably coming up in just a couple of months. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Well, very interesting uh, uh, to, to see these uh, figures. It's, it's very sobering when you actually look at the facts and think about um, how Taiwan... Well, the whole world could be a very different place in about 10 years' time. So, Jake, you're going to tell us a surprising reason why uh, you shouldn't drink too much coffee in the winter. Um, well, I mean, fortunately, we don't have a need for hot coffee if the winter is getting warmer. Right. Um, but I, actually, I find this, uh, this headline itself to be very disturbing because I rely on a lot of coffee on a daily basis. So uh, why should I not be drinking so much in the winter? Right. I mean, you shouldn't drink too much coffee in general. Uh, but uh, one dietitian pointed out something that's, that I think I felt before as well. Um, coffee, as it turns out, one of the effects is that it's a laxative. So you go to the bathroom more often. Okay, so it's a diuretic. Yeah. Okay. okay. So laxative means, means it makes you go number two. Oh, no, number sorry. Two. I, think it's, I think it's a diuretic. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. It is diuretic. Yeah, right. you're right. So losing uh, a significant amount of heat during the winter time, you know, subject it means you are more likely to get a cold or just uncomfortable in general. Oh, so, so when you go to the bathroom, you lose heat. Yeah, because it's hot liquid leaving your body. <laughs> exactly. I see, and then you get cold. Oh, that's why you get the shivers. Now it all makes sense. Yeah, that's why you know trying to drink coffee to stay warm in winter time actually doesn't work. <laughs> so if you actually bathed in the coffee, it might be more more useful oh, than drinking it. Well, I can give that a try, Andrew. <laughs> right. Might be good for your skin. You never know. I need to mm. get that image out of my head after the show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so drink less coffee um, because it's actually not keeping you warm in the winter. Right, not in the long run. Okay. Yeah. 
That's a really good thing to keep in mind. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it'll change my coffee drinking um, habits. Do, are, are there of you big coffee drinkers? No. No? I get an upset stomach if I have coffee. Oh, no. It didn't used to be that bad, but um, like, you know, I'll try to make sure it gets, I take food uh-huh. before I have coffee. But hmm. even then, now, uh, it doesn't work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm tr- I try to stay away most of the time. Right. What about you, Jake? I actually see the benefit of not drinking too much coffee because when I do need it, because my tolerance is so low, you know, it is still very effective. It gives you a big boost, right? Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I can feel it. There's some very interesting research on what the best times are to drink the coffee. A lot of people think you should have coffee as soon as you get up in the morning. But actually, they say that you don't need it until like half an hour after you get up. It doesn't really have an effect. Because you're you're going to feel drowsy in the first 30 minutes after you wake up, regardless of what you do. Oh, okay. Um, but at any rate, very interesting. So we are ever uh, so surely getting to the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got how many days left? We've got four, five days left. Five days left, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we're thinking about things that are happening next year. We're thinking about New Year's Eve. Do either one of you have um, any New Year's plans? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you allowed to talk I'm, about I'm, it? I'm having a hot pot again. Because <laughs> you had so no, much fun with that hot pot you were going to have at Christmas <laughs> that you're like, I'm going to have some more. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm going to have loads of friends at my place, actually. Oh, so you're going to make hot pot? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, everybody's wow. going to bring a, an ingredient, you know. And we try to have two different kinds of hot pot. Mm-hmm. One that's like clear broth. And the other one, we're more thinking about sukiyaki. Oh, sukiyaki. I love yeah. sukiyaki. Because I'm thinking that I'd rather cook meat mm-hmm. in the sukiyaki, and mm-hmm. then I don't have to dip in any kind of sauce. So right? we should explain then, that sukiyaki yeah. is basically, oh, it's okay. a broth. You put all of your ingredients in the big pot um, mm-hmm. that's usually sitting in the middle of your table. And then you add, um, it's soy sauce, sauce soy sauce, sugar, sugar, and, and um, uh, mirin. Is um, it the... Well, it's uh, chinjo. Oh, chinjo. It's, okay. Uh, so it's, it's like a, rice wine. Yeah. Sake? Japanese Japanese style kind of rice wine kind of thing. Sake, yeah? Yeah, I guess yeah. it is sake. The, the, the lower end version of lower sake. Lower end, okay, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Not the expensive drinking kind. Yeah. The kind you use for cooking. Mm. So it ends up being very flavorful, very um, savory, but also sweet. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you don't need a dipping sauce for that. Yeah. And it's a big Japanese tradition for I New know. Year's. So then I can cook everything else like vegetables in this clear broth and still drink that broth and not feel... You know, like you're loading yourself with too much. Yeah, excess whatever. Yeah, right. Right. I hear you. How about you, Jake? What are you doing for New Year's? Oh, in terms of entertainment? Um, Not much. I'm probably laying low this year. Yeah. Watching some Netflix? Yeah, I was going to say put on a movie and, you know, call the night. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Um, I'm going to be with the Puyuma tribe. I've mentioned this um, already this week with the uh, Puyuma tribe for their uh, big hunting festival. So Are you going to go hunting? I will not be hunting. <laughs> Andrew Ryan is not big on hunting. <laughs> I was just going to ask you the bows and arrow question. Yeah, yes. really? No, I will not be using bows or arrows. Or, or spears. Or, or guns. Or rifles. Or none, none of the above. Um, I like people to kill my food for me. Um, so, but, uh, so as the year comes to an end, um, we are uh, getting this information that uh, convenience stores in Taipei are looking to make a ton of money on New Year's Eve. 
And I'm wondering if it's like for people like Shirley who have realized they've run out of some ingredient for their hot pots, they run out and get it or Oh, I bet. Is yeah. it Jake? He's like, "Ah, oh, I want to get some drinks before I like enjoy my year-end movie." Yeah, imagine the demand just, you know, the couple of hours before the midnight. I mean, that's going to be nuts. I mean, they must sell a ton of alcohol for one oh, yeah. thing, like yeah. right mm-hmm. before the New Year's. For sure. You mm. know, comes into uh, play. Now, tell us a little bit about this, Shirley. Why are they expecting a big old boom? Okay, we're talking about the convenience stores uh, right in the Xinyi district. Oh. And that is because we have Taipei 101. We always have this famous fireworks that you know to the final countdown that's at right the so, uh, skyscraper so so it's now still one of the world's top uh built tallest buildings it used to be the highest building in the world yes. I think it's, is it still in the top 10 uh, is it maybe I think maybe it's top 20 for sure top 20 for sure oh, yeah. okay certainly mm. a very tall building um yeah. and they set off fireworks and it's become kind of an iconic image for the year-end celebrations i can just imagine with crowds of people flooding mm-hmm. that whole area Exactly. Surely they've got tons of like cross by traffic. Yeah. 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 Pass by traffic. Well, actually, they they close the roads right mm-hmm. near near that uh, near that place. So they because basically the fireworks is put on by the um, Taipei City government, and so it's a it's a big thing. And uh, the four uh, top major convenience stores and uh, chains in Taiwan, uh, you know, they have already started stocking up. Um, and and you know, it's interesting because it says here. That glass walls have been removed. Huh? So they're afraid that, you know, they're going to be such a crowd or people are just going to go crazy and start knocking down on the walls or something. Anyway, just for safety's sake, I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess, okay. Glass walls have been removed and manpower added, that's for sure. And then stock replenished to repair, you know, for the celebration. So mm. there are 30, oh, I should have made you guess, 30 7-Eleven stores in that area. Mm. 30 of them. Wow. And they're expecting to see a 50%, 5-0, increase in customers on that night. Oh, at wow. least. 50%. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Because so, I've seen the crowd from a rooftop back in <clears throat> January 1st, 2017. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I'd say 50% is probably on the low end. Mm. <laughs> I would say so, yeah. too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. oh okay. Yeah. All right. So maybe some of the stores in the periphery aren't getting much of a boost, but like the ones right near there, they're probably getting like a like 200 double. or something yeah. increase. Uh, I mean, that's, that's just me guessing, but you I know. I feel sorry for the people who are working that night. Oh, the, seriously. You know, on that shift. Anyway. I but, mean, I feel sorry for anybody working on that <laughs> night, but if you're working at a convenience, convenience store. Convenience stores, that's, that's crazy. Can you imagine if somebody comes in and wants to send a fax? You're like, um, <laughs> why don't you come back tomorrow? <laughs> we're not doing those additional <laughs> services. You yeah, want to really? send a fish? What? No, we're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the other three, um, you know, uh, convenience store chains, they're expecting a five-fold personnel dispatch and discount offers. Of course, this is a time to give discounts. So now, personnel increased by five times the personnel, number? yeah. Holy cow. Five-folds. Okay. So anyway, I guess it's needed. Um, guess what kind of things they think they need to stock up the most at a time like this? Alcohol? <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Beer? Uh, what about you, Jake? What do and, you think? Um, I say like second to alcohol would be snacks. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Snacks. Yep. Those junk food and um, coffee. We just talked about coffee. Yeah. yeah. Stay and up all then, night. Yes. Uh, hot dogs. So oh. all the all the party supplies. Yeah. Right. All the party supplies. <laughs> yeah. Hot dogs. Hot dogs. Let's say oh. you start getting hungry around midnight or something like that. That's something easy to gulp down, I guess. And it's hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And one more thing huh. that has become a popular thing at convenience stores. Um, they would have a special. Eggs, um, okay, well, it doesn't say that, but I'm sure that's also one. Uh, no, well, 
I guess you could because you can just get hot water from a convenience store, right? Is but it it's a kind of hard. food item? It's a food item. It's a food item. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say, is it a handheld food item? Yes. Um, something really on a nice stick? Hot. <laughs> no, not on a stick. Uh, oh, I know. Sweet potatoes. Yeah. Yeah. Baked sweet potatoes. Yeah. I think for, I don't know how long, they've been promoting it as a very, very healthy food and so now convenience stores are selling them and they roast them like for you right, yeah, like yeah right yeah hot potatoes, hot potatoes. um they, so they roast them for you smell the the smell when you walk in the store it is probably one of the few healthy things you can buy from a convenience store that is true so and it's also seen as a weight loss thing although i, th- I don't think on new year's eve people are too worried about that no, <laughs> right. no, no. it's like too late all right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> why don't you just make a new year's resolution and worry about that next year yeah <laughs> All right, so I hope both of you have wonderful New Year's celebrations. Same to you. Okay, our final topic today is a topic in which we are looking forward uh, to the coming year. Uh, And we are going to tell you a little bit about um, what professionals are, what their goals are, their top goals are for the coming year 2020. Jake, take it away. Uh, we got some numbers from two separate institutions. Let's go with the government first, the labor ministry. So like you said, 2020 is coming and everybody who's working, which is the vast majority of the people here, um, uh, have their goals and plans for the upcoming year. So the labor ministry announced their, the results of their latest survey. So um, you, want, you guys want to guess there are three goals. The number one most popular goal is? Uh, people want more money. I know that. Wage yeah. increase. Yes, that's number one. <laughs> yeah. Um, follow, coming in at number two is to uh, have uh, further growth and development in their professions. Mm-hmm. And uh, number three is to learn a second skill. Oh, really? that's good. Very pragmatic. So, wow. um, interesting stuff. Surely you don't look interested. <laughs> right. No, I just, you know, thinking that people are either not happy with their current jobs or that they're thinking of acquiring a second skill. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. That they, you know, it seems, sounds like people are thinking about changing jobs. Oh. Yeah. On the uh, subject of changing jobs, and I think a lot of our listeners know at this point that Taiwanese people had the habit of changing their jobs not necessarily after New Year's Eve, but uh, after the Chinese New Year, because mm. that's right after they get a bonus, they, you know, uh, that's right. they, yeah. they jump off the ship. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> so um, around, so after the New Year's Eve, how many people want to change jobs? We're looking at 46% uh, who, say, who says yes versus 53% who says no. Oh. So slightly less than less of the people who answered the survey. And I wonder if a lot of companies are looking to hire in the coming year. Oh, uh, yeah, we have numbers for that too and this numbers come from a local job bank 1111 uh, 56 percent of the companies uh are looking to hire in q1 of 2020 wow so that's great news if you're looking to jump ship yeah, yeah. and from a wide variety of industries too it construction and a service sector so all right yeah. i'll keep all those in mind just in case <laughs> i'm thinking of a career after radio well thank you so much for joining us for today's here in taiwan i'm andrew ryan i'm shirley lin and i'm jake chen Stay tuned for more coming your way on RTI.
Lights, Camera, Asia. A look at Asian culture and history through the lens of cinema. Hello and welcome back to Lights, Camera, Asia. I'm Jake Chen. Now we spent the last few weeks talking about the plot of Infernal Affairs, one of the most well-received films to ever come out of Hong Kong, China. And we needed all that time because the film's plot really is so incredibly complex and filled with nuances. Now that we've got a pretty good idea on what the film is all about, let's take a look at some of its details because. I believe these details are what makes the film a standout among the rest. So the police force and the triad gang each has embedded a undercover agent in each other's side. What's next? The film could have gone a thousand different directions with that premise, and one of the reasons why the film is such a critical success, I think, is how it unfolds the story. Unlike many modern films, which rely on explosive actions and quick cuts to keep the audience glued, Infernal Affairs, as a crime drama, incorporates very little in the way of action. Instead, the film progresses at a rather steady pace, and along the way, it builds two elements, and it builds them incredibly well: suspense and characters. Characters is the more obvious element, so let's start with this one. Both the main characters, Officer Chen, who's been embedded in the gang, and Lao, who is a gang member serving in the police force, have come a long way towards the end of the film compared to where they start at the beginning. Both go through the bulk part of the film's plot, desperately trying to fish out their arch enemies. While fearing for the lethal consequences of if or when they get exposed, what makes the deadly relationship even more interesting is how intertwined the fate of the two really are, and how the film brilliantly sets up the stage for them. See, the two actually meet、uh, one another a number of times through the film before they finally realize who the other person is. For instance. When Chen was hiding a bag of cocaine in a local hi-fi store, Lao, who is at the time a rising star in the police force and is about to start a new family, comes in shopping for new stereo equipment. The two have a brief exchange on stereo choices before parting ways. It's a short sequence、uh, with no action or battle of wits. But having the two sharing the screen at this particular moment in the film shows us, the audience, just how starkly different the two have become at this point. While both are in their late 30s and early 40s, the two characters have very little in common. Lao, the star in the police force, is dressed in a custom-fit blazer in his spare time. His hair is neatly trimmed, and everything about him. His shirt, his shoes, the way he acts, his mannerism—just oozes professionalism and focus, as an elite police officer should be. Chen, on the other hand, cannot be more different than Lao, both in appearance and in his mannerism. He is dressed in this old, raggedy, worn-out jacket. His shirt isn't exactly neat or clean. His hair is messy, 
And when we look at him, he looks like a guy with very little in the way of discipline or professional prospect, and he looks like he hasn't slept for days. And this comparison makes sense, given the fact that Lau is in the police force and he is trained and specialized in a lot of tasks that requires him to have a heightened level of focus at all times. And also because Lau has made a conscious effort over the years, as we can see in the film, to climb up the ranks as much as possible, it makes sense that he's paying so much attention to his appearance, even when he is in his downtime. On the other hand, Chen, although started off as a police officer, tries very, very hard to blend in in the gang in which he is embedded. So it makes sense that he has this ruggedy, rough around the edge appearance, so that he can blend in with the rest of the crew. This whole scene lasts probably less than five minutes on screen, but we get to see just how starkly different these two people can be. And putting them together creates this contrast, which is vital to tell the difference because when we see them in the rest of the film, both of them are in their so-called respective environment. Lao is with his colleagues in the police force most of the time, and Chen talks with other gang members. So the way they act and behave and the way they dress, the way they come across, don't exactly stand out, since both are trying to blend in. But it's in this very moment that we see that both characters, although they're both putting on guises, have appeared to be extremely different. And when we see the difference on the screen, it brings an actual layer of emotional impact of just how far these two characters have come. Remember, at the beginning of the film, we see a training montage in a police academy, at the end of which both Chen and Lao appear to be in the same location. At that time, both look like they're in their very early 20s. Chen, the junior police cadet, was quote-unquote kicked out of the police academy for misbehaviors. And Lao, who has just entered the police force as a gang undercover, has just finished basic training and is beginning his journey to climb through the ranks and to serve his gang boss in a very remote manner. The two once again have this exchange, the nature of which is unknown and not completely clear to either one of them. See, remember in that moment, Chen walks away from the gate of the police and he is being shamed by the officer at the time, who says, well, if any cadet acts like him, they'll be kicked out. Chen looks back at the gate at the rest of the police cadets, and he realizes that they are having a career that he wishes he can have. But instead, he's heading to a very, very dark and unknown place. He's heading to a gang, and very, very few people know his true identity from that point on. He will no longer be a white knight when he wishes to be, but he will be hunted by the peers that he actually loves and respects. Therefore, it is not a stretch to say that he leaves the police academy in a very unwilling manner. But when we look inside the police academy through the gate, which looks awfully like the prison grills, um, Lao, who remains inside, looks like he's unwilling as well. He looks at Chen and he murmurs to himself that he would like to exchange place with him. This reveals the inner thoughts of Lao at the time, that he's not totally ready or even willing to join the police as a member of the gang. He's not willing to live a double life 
to hide his identity day in and day out to pretend to be a upstanding police officer while serving and providing information to a gang boss. And this little reveal at the beginning of the film sets the tone for each of their characters and how they develop over the course of many, many years. It is hinted at us, the audience, that both are about to embark on two distinctly different journeys, but the one thread in common, the one thing that connects them both, is that both are unwilling and probably not exactly aware of just what kind of journey they are about to embark on. So the twists and turns and the unwillingness that they've shown at many junctures in fully embrace their fake pretended identity makes sense throughout the film. We as the audience feel that, okay, both Chen, the police officer in the gang, and Lao, the gang member pretending to be a police officer, are constantly wrestling with this facade, with this fake identity. And this makes their emotions all the more palpable. It makes much more sense that both are in fear, because not only are they in fear of their own life, because getting exposed either in the police force or in the gang leads to very serious, potentially life-threatening consequences, they are also in fear of losing that very identity that they try so hard and so desperately to cling onto. What they start off as a self is something that they could barely recognize in their current guise. In one scene closer to the middle of the film, Chen complains to Chief Inspector Huang when they meet secretly on the rooftop to exchange information that he almost had to yell to himself to remind himself that he actually is still a police. And the pain and desperation that he conveys in that scene is very clear to the audience. And it's understandable for someone who doesn't want to be an undercover in the first place to fake and to pretend to be a gang member day in and day out for many, many years. The struggle of Lao seems less obvious because as a well-respected police officer, he seems to have stepped in a pair of shoes that he's rather comfortable with, at least on the superficial level. See, as a young junior gang member, he never imagined that he would have this life. He would have a woman that loves him. He would have a lot of peers and other police officers who look up to him uh, to take the lead. So he's desperately trying to cling on to this life and to erase a lot of the things in his past so that he can fully embrace the identity as a police officer. So his fear, every bit as intense, presumably, comes from a different place. While Chen is desperately trying to cling on to his old identity, to something he loves and respects, Lao is trying to get rid of his dirty past. That's why, closer to the end of the film, he tried very hard to plot an entire police bust so that he gets an opportunity to kill his own gang boss. In a way, the killing of the father is a very common trope in Greek mythology as a way for a character to erase a very important part of his identity. However, just like Greek mythology, those tales never end in a happy manner. Once past, one's identity is not something that one can completely erase, and it always, always comes back to haunt one's own journey. So, it is almost destined for both Chen and Lao to end in a very, very tragic place, because both wrestles with a fundamental element, the self, that they can neither fully embrace or get rid of. 
on the surface level, Infernal Affair looks like a cop and robber film, a crime drama, uh, or whatever you call it. But on a deeper level, it is clearly a character study. And that's one of the many reasons why its profound analysis of characters separates it from the rest of the police and crime drama genre. Thank you for listening to this episode. In the upcoming episode, we'll wrap up our coverage of Infernal Affairs by diving into some of the other elements that make it a standout film. I'm Jake Chen, and talk to you next week. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. I was honored this past week to have been invited to a press conference to eat. One of the oldest and most well-known Taiwanese cuisine restaurants, Xinye, introduced a new set of meal. There is nothing old anymore, really, about the restaurant except for its history or their menu because they've completely rebranded themselves. Of course, they have some classic dishes for keeps to distinguish them from other Taiwanese restaurants, like the pan-fried omelette with dried radish and the stir-fried pork liver slices. Yum! The event was held at one of its restaurants on the 85th floor of the tallest skyscraper in Taiwan, Taipei 101. I interviewed the gastronomy consultant of Xinye, Andy Xu, whom I had actually interviewed before many years ago when he was already a well-known food expert. He'll tell you what I ate that day and more behind how he came up with the set menu. Today I'm here because uh, there's the introduction of a new menu called the Around the World... No, sorry. Around, 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 around the, the Island, island set, menu. set Menu. Around the Island Set Menu. Around the Taiwan Island Set Menu. But of course, last year, there was already the introduction of another menu called the Taipei Taipei Set Menu. So this year, in addition to the Taipei Taipei Menu, they've also introduced this Around the Island Set Menu. Can you give us an idea of how you got the inspiration for the Around the Island set menu? Okay, uh, because we are in 85 floor, and this is, uh, I think, the, the highest uh, Taiwanese cuisine restaurant in the world. Mm, so I think uh, who will come here? First, we know here have very good food. It's a Taiwanese cuisine. Uh, but second, I think a lot of tourist people, they uh, enjoy uh, Taiwanese food when they want to choose a good Taiwan restaurant, uh, where they will choose and why. Uh, we must give them a reason. So the last year, uh, we created a Taipei Taipei set menu. It means when you come to 85 flower, uh, here is Taipei. So from the Taipei Taipei set menu, you can know more about this city from the table. I always think of food culture is so charming because they have a lot of meaning. You can talk a lot of story. You can dig. So 
this year we uh, created another same menu. Name is around the island. Actually, we use uh, one, two, three, four, five dishes to tell a story how to around the Taiwan this island. Can I just introduce our philosophy about it? Okay. First, we want say welcome to Taiwan. When you arrive in Taiwan, most of people they will spend their time in Taipei for business for other reason you want. But I appreciate if you give us、uh, sometimes you can go to other city, other town to enjoy your life. In east part of Taiwan, there is a city named is Yilan, and in Yilan, it's famous for the seafood. So the first dish we use the seafood concept、uh, to show it. But you know, in Taiwan cuisine,、uh, if you just want to eat some raw fish, seafood,、uh, traditional way for the Taiwanese cuisine, you have a lot of choice. When you are in one o one this building, I think something should be changed. How? Well, I think be funny. It's very important. So we use the watermelon to make a jelly. It looks like、uh, the raw fish.、Uh, actually, it's tuna, the red color, similar with the、uh, you make the watermelon jelly look like tuna raw fish. And we use、uh, soy bean, the green one, to make it like wasabi. Actually, you say the soy bean. It's、uh, edamame,、uh, edamame, edamame bean. Yeah, edamame bean. Edamame yeah, bean. So, so it's green. Ah, yes, so yeah, you make yeah, it yeah, into yeah, yeah. something looking like horseradish. Yes,、yeah. yes, yes. So we just make a joke. We use、uh, baby abalone. You use bamboo and、uh, baby abalone, and、uh, you have a watermelon jelly. It looks just like a seafood, but when you eat, wow, it's not. So I think this is just a hello. Welcome to Taiwan. Should have funny on the table. So you want to introduce、uh, Taiwan's watermelon. That's why you use the watermelon to make it look like raw fish.、Uh, you can you say, say it. You, you、yeah. can say that way, but another reason is because in Yilan have good amount of watermelon. They have a river named is Lanyang River, so they have a good watermelon. And so we use first dish to say hello to Yilan. Then、uh, we come back to Taipei. In Taipei,、uh, usually、uh, we have very good、uh, market. Uh, so a lot of very good food will come to Taipei. So we choose a very good chicken, and、uh, they have、uh, a lot of dry food. It's famous in Taipei.、Uh, this time yeah, we dried goods, right? Yeah, from Da Dao Chen, which is like a, a historical、uh, trade port.、Yes. But we have preserved that area, and we still sell a lot of dried goods from in, in that area. Yeah. So this time we choose the、uh, scallops. Dry scallops, ah,、oh, the flavor is so yummy. And when you cook with chicken, you must try. And then after Taipei, always going to the middle of Taiwan. The name is Yunlin, and Yunlin in Xiro is small town. It's very famous so for soy sauce. So how we use soy sauce in Taiwan? We steam fish. We put one piece of tofu. One piece of a good fish, and、uh, give some soy sauce and steam, and you can get a very, I say, a country flavor, or it's my dream flavor because from childhood, from my childhood, my mother will make this for me. It's easy, ah,、uh, but you know, simple is difficult. After that, you can go to Penghu, one of the offshore islands of Taiwan. Yeah, that is another island in the south, and you can eat a very good shrimp. A kind of special sauce in Taiwan, name is Hongzhao. Ah,、uh, a little sweet, and、uh, we use guava. 
uh, make it look like radish slice it, but actually it's guava. Then I make a funny another make a joke. After that, we go to the south Taiwan. Name is Pingdong. They have、uh, very good mushrooms, and we use、uh, Taiwanese way use、uh, little oil、uh, to deep fry it very quickly. Take it, then、uh, we use、uh, some we say 季节食蔬 How to say that the season vegetable? Yeah, season food, season vegetable. Yeah, they saw this dish can show how Taiwanese think about the good vegetables. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. Then we go to East Taiwan. Name is Taidong. In the Taidong, we eat kinds of rice noodles. Name is Mi Tai Mu, and、uh, put some bonito flakes. Yeah, there's、uh, older Taiwan only in Taidong. This place people will eat the Mi Tai Mu this way. They will put some bonito flakes. So use these five dish. You already go around Taiwan, and if you want more, no more story, you can ask the、uh, waitress or waiters. Our, our company will tell you more. But if you don't want, I will give you a postcard. Yeah, so you from the picture, you can image. I think、uh, the food、um, sometimes you don't need to talk too much. Good work. Yeah, food talk, talk, talk photo. Yeah, and image is very important. That's why we choose the postcard. Well, let me explain. They coordinated with an illustrator, Mi Li, who actually made postcards、um, with her illustration of the five, actually more like six different dishes of the places where those ingredients came from. So they're very colorful set of postcards that kind of illustrates where your food came from or the dish came from. You know,、um, it's amazing. There are so many dishes that is really called like real Taiwanese dish. But you came up with these five dishes.、Mm-hmm. Is there any reason why you choose these five? Because you you know you're going to do a around the island set menu.、Mm-hmm. So you think about a, a county in the north,、mm-hmm. and then one you know the west, and then one to south, and then east, and I don't know. So that's how you start picking, right? You start、yes. making the different districts,、yes. and then deciding what is the specialty, what is the local、uh, food or crop. Mm-hmm. In those areas, and decide what kind of dish is that、mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Actually, it's not so difficult. Actually, yeah, because、uh, I spent、uh, around twenty、uh, years to study、uh, Taiwanese food culture, so I know something special. What is special? I know that. And pick five dishes.、Uh, actually, three for west, two for east. So、uh, that's easy. Why use this way? We will say Taiwan. We will usually separate for four part. One is north, medium, and south. Central Taiwan. Yeah, yeah, central Taiwan. First,、uh, choose Yilan. We think about the、uh, culture. Second, in Taipei, North Taiwan. I think it's a kinds of、um, the market, and then Central Taiwan. I think about the、uh, ingredients, and then we must put the island inside, right? Because uh, uh, Taiwan is an island, yes. But actually, Taiwan country where we have、uh, four or more small island, Penghu is one of that. So we should choose it. Another is South of Taiwan, and South of Taiwan, I think. I want to put some、uh, talk about agriculture is not traditional way. Let's still、uh, have a technical way to cultivate.、Uh, oh, yeah, using technology. Yeah, technology use technology to grow up. Yeah,、okay. so let's make mushroom. Then the east, east we choose the cultural. At the beginning, the Yilan 
the northeast part of Taiwan. I choose it because、uh, culture, but I use the funding way. And the、uh, end, I choose the East Taiwan, but the South way, Taichung. I focus on the culture too, but I want to use the traditional way. So from the creative to the traditional, I think that part of Taiwan. It's very difficult to make a rule to tell you what is Taiwan. You know, I've never thought of food as、uh, making a joke out of it. Like you were saying, you thought of something funny. Mm-hmm. Like for example, you used watermelon,、yeah. Jello,、yes. to slice it in such a way that looks like、mm-hmm. raw fish.、Yeah. Is it because you're a funny person? That's、no. why you think about. I make- hope you can. I hope you say that, but my wife don't think so. <laughs> Actually, talking about Taiwan's culture, I think must include the traditional creative way.、Um, so try to create it. And uh, uh, use watermelon to look like the little fish. I another first one to create it.、Uh, in east part, you can find in some、uh, this idea in some place. You're not afraid that people, customers, are going to be angry, thinking that oh, I got raw fish, but then it's watermelon jello. No, that's why I choose the traditional Norway on the ending. At the beginning, if you feel angry, but after eat that, you feel full. Maybe you are not angry again. You're right. I had those five dishes and a dessert dish,、yeah. and I'm really full.、Yeah. You're right. I've been back in Taiwan 29 years,、uh-huh. and I thought I know about Taiwanese food.、Uh-huh. But listening to you talk today, as you explain the history behind each dish、uh-huh. and why you use the different ingredients,、mm-hmm. I realize I don't know all the history about Taiwanese food. But when you tell it, it's so interesting.、Yeah. You know, like for example, the Japanese influence. Yeah. For example, it tells the difference between the different classes. So I guess you grew up really loving food itself to the point where you want to even learn about its history. And once you know the history behind the food, you appreciate it more. Is that right? Yeah, most people will tell me the most interesting is from field to the table, and because these twenty years I spend a lot of time to visit the farmers, find the good ingredients. You feel confused about in Taiwan. Actually, we don't have four season; we just have two season. I mean, summer or not summer, hot or more hot. <laughs> Sorry, just joke. Uh, actually, in Taiwan, uh, it's not like Japan have four season. Uh, some fruit you can find it all year, but all year round you just need to find it in different area. You start thinking about how it's different, why the flavor is different because temperature is different, the earth is different. Yes, you know, but you want to know more. When you want to know more, you will find、uh, the people, different farmers, different area have a different way to enjoy it. That's we say it's culture. All right. Well, thank you very much, Andy. This has really been a lot of fun, and learning so much about the different dishes, and they're really, really delicious. So, thank you for bringing Taiwan to the world, and、um, congratulations on this、uh, important position you have at the Xinye Restaurant, which is like one of the oldest Taiwanese cuisine restaurant in in Taiwan. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. Thank you a lot. Bye bye. Are you listening? <laughs> This is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. <laughs>
到五吗？给你掏钱啊！给侬我一件。Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies: in Southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kilohertz. Again, that's in Southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kilohertz. And in Southeast Asia, from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia, from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti dot org dot tw. Again, that's rti at rti dot org dot tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb dot me forward slash radio taiwan international. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb dot me forward slash radio taiwan international for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.